like to begin our time with a question. What is the gospel? If you imagined yourself standing before God or talking to a friend, maybe, and you were asked the question, what is the gospel? What would come to mind? I'd like us to ponder that this morning as we dig into God's word. Because an absolute foundational question to building a discipling culture in community, which is what this season and series and life groups are all about, and you could really say a foundational question to life, maybe the most important question in life, is what is the gospel? And in one sense, I'd like to fix our eyes on Jesus, (laughs) because everything that Jesus said and did is the gospel. Gospel just means good news, if you are not familiar. But Jesus himself, Jesus is the good news of God, come from heaven to reveal who God is to the entire world. So in some sense, just a big picture question answered is, Jesus is the gospel. There is absolutely nothing. If you read the gospels, you read the four you know, books that, that uh, catalog the life of Jesus and share the story and share the testimony and share the, the truth. There is nothing that Jesus says or does that is not part of the gospel. You ever think about that? That's how broad it is. Everything Jesus says and does is every interaction with anyone. It's the gospel. I mean, would we dare to say, oh, uh, Jesus wasn't quite doing the gospel there? No way, right? But it's very easy to get pigeonholed and be, be, be narrow in our scope and our understanding in our expectation of what is the good news that God has for my life. And so we're going to dig into how it's very broad. But I want to start with Mark 1.14, where there is conveniently, right at the beginning of the book of Mark, the first words of Jesus on his lips are a summary of the gospel. So it's kind of cool. The Holy Spirit led it in such a fashion where it's not a secret what the gospel is. Here we go. Mark 1.14-15. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God. So here we go. What's God's good news? Saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So really, that second clause there, or the second half of the sentence, repent and believe in the gospel Those are the action steps of how you respond. But the summary of Jesus' own gospel from his lips is simply this right here. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. That is a summary of the gospel according to the lips of the one who is the gospel. So let's excavate a few key words here. Let's do some Bible study digging. 
Because as we unlock just a few phrases, it's like, boom, there's the gospel. It starts with this phrase, the time is fulfilled. It is a particular word for time. It's in the Bible a few places. On the lips of Jesus right here, it's the word kairos. Most importantly, it's, it's to note that it's not the more familiar, more common word for time, which is chronos, which what is what we think of as like the sequential passing of time, like chronology, right? Your, your clock ticks, time, time, chronos, chronos. Jesus is not talking about that kind of a time. This word kairos for time that Jesus uses is a sense of an appointed time. A time that is pregnant with divine potential, you might say. A moment that has possibility written all over it. So it's not a sense of like, oh, I woke up this morning and it's like, ho-hum, same old, same old. Nope. It's you woke up this morning and you sense and feel this pregnancy of divine potential and possibility that something great could happen today. Now, now we all know those from what you might call a, kind of a, a, you know, a mundane version of that. When there's big days, right? Maybe it's the first day of school. Maybe it's the first day at a new job. Maybe it's you're going on a big date. Maybe it's your wedding day. I mean, you, you, you woke up in those mornings. Maybe you weren't even able to sleep. Like, it's certainly not like you woke up on the wedding day. It's like, ho-hum, another day, same old, same old. Right? If you slept at all, it's like today has this wow significance. Like the, the potential, the possibility. Today is a big day. Things are going to change today. This is a significant moment, right? I'm not thinking chronologically here. I'm thinking Kairos. It's like, wow, this is going to be a life-changing day. That's Kairos. So my question for us today is, what if every day is filled with that kind of divine potential or that kind of potential of encountering the divine? What if every day is filled with the potential of encountering God? And we are supposed to wake up with that kind of anticipation of the divine, heavenly, pregnant possibility of more of God in our life. Could that be real? Yes, it is the gospel. That is what the Kairos moment is, the Kairos time that Jesus is talking about. We live now in this era of grace. Our entire life is under the umbrella of the time is now. The time is fulfilled. That kairos, that for God's eternal plan of sending a savior into the world so he could bring his kingdom and bring us into an intimate relationship with us like had never been foreseen and will never be offered again. And it'll just well up into eternity, into increasing experience and encounter of God, your life when you woke up today is pregnant with that divine potential and possibility to grab hold of more of that. Jesus is saying that. And it never stops. It never ends. The time, the kairos is here. The time is fulfilled. The kairos is here. That, that thought alone blows my mind. And it should. Man, talk about good news. 
if, if we just kind of took a straw poll out in the world and, and kind of asked, hey, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Do you have good news to get you out of bed? Do you have something to put wind in your sails? Do you got hope for the future? What do you actually believe? Like what, what, what anchors your soul? Really, really, really. And to even just contemplate the, the possibility that this is true, this is real, that there is potential, God-ordained potential for you to encounter more of God today. Is there better news on the planet? <laughs> oh, the good news that God has lavished upon us. So that's a good word to start the gospel. Anything to add to that, babe? Oh, yeah. It's a third word. All right. Our second phrase. That's the repent and believe. The second phrase here, the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, the time has come. The time is fulfilled. It's now. The kingdom of God is at hand. So here, let's dig into that second phrase. Kingdom of God. We could go for a micro definition and a macro. The macro definition is every single thing you ever see Jesus do or say is the kingdom of God. He is the demonstration of the rule and reign of God on earth. The micro definition we get directly from the lips of Jesus. Imagine that. The gospel is centered on Jesus. Here we go. Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or as we did some really deep work, you know, deep exegetical work in the Greek a couple series ago about the, the prayer that Jesus taught. And really, the, the, in the original language, those those. Phrases are in command form, imperative form. So Jesus teaches you and me to pray like this. Arrive now, kingdom of God. Ar come into being, will of God. As it is in heaven, so also upon earth. So man, it doesn't need to be that complicated. What is the kingdom of God? As it already is in heaven, so also on earth. He is the king. He rules and reigns perfectly in heaven, and his will is that that reign would break in and transform earth. As it already is in heaven. Those are literally the words of Jesus. By the way, it's weird in the Greek. They flipped it backwards. I don't know why, but that phrase comes first. That's Jesus' emphasis. What is the kingdom of God? As it is in heaven, so also on earth. Those are the direct words of Jesus. There's our mission in life. There's the gospel. That's God's will for our life. One thing that I love that I actually, if we had gone back in time, I would actually change the way that we uh, wrote that down. And that is, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father, right? And so I like to change what he just said to, arrive now, kingdom of my Father. Come into being now, will of my Father as it is in heaven, so also on earth. There's just so much power there. And I feel like personally, for me, there's just, there's almost like this, there's a gripping 
that the faith is stronger and grips even stronger when it's, you know what, I'm a child of God. This is, this is my inheritance. This is my privilege to walk the world as Jesus did. You know, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. We have the privilege to walk the world as Jesus did. And Jesus always did what the Father was doing. He was releasing the power from heaven. And so... Um, that is, is there a mic outside? Like, is somebody wearing a mic outside? Because it sounds like wind outside. Okay, come Holy Spirit. We just welcome you, God. More Lord, blow in this place. <laughs> Fill up the place. <laughs> so yeah, I just think there's... You know, one of the things that comes to mind is um, when little pa- when Paxton was little, Casey's sound. Casey, um, Casey would throw out this phrase. Paxton would just come up to him, and he was so cute, and he would say, um, you know, he would say or do something adorable or, or give something to Casey, and Casey would, he was really funny, he'd go, happy daddy, you know, just letting Paxton know, I'm so happy, you make me so happy. And... Um, I don't know, I just think adding in our minds when we are partnering with God and just praying as Jesus taught us to pray, pray, say say daddy if you want, arrive now, kingdom of my daddy. There's just a, there's so much power in walking in the authority that we are his children, we are his ambassadors, and in the same way that a king gives power to the prince to bring and to enforce the kingdom, so it is with us. So arrive now, kingdom of my daddy. Come into being now, will of my daddy, father, papa, abba, whatever you want to call him, dad. (laughs) Amen. So in its simplicity, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in heaven transforming earth. So if you're following the lift notes, that's just massive. Kingdom of God, as it is in heaven, so also on earth. What you might notice is that is incredibly broad. And that's the point. God's will is that all of life on earth is transformed by all of the goodness of heaven. I mean, and that's good news, right? Because that means nothing in your life is outside of the scope of what God cares about and wants to heal and forgive and redeem and restore and bring into the abundance and goodness of heaven. Nothing. You can't make it up. You can't say, ha, God, I got you on this one. This is too much for you. It's outside of what you care about. No, that's the whole point. All of heaven transforming all of the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and suffering of this life on earth. That's good news. Yeah. In any way that we feel broken, hurt, wounded, abused, beat up, forsaken, hopeless, that's something God wants to transform. It doesn't matter how much you've been through. Any of those areas, if there's something that we've just come to accept, oh, you know, this is just going to be so hard. Life is so hard. Ministry is so hard. Work is so hard. Kids are so hard. 
then we are not taking his hand and reaching out for the transformation with his gospel of redemption. He brings redemption to all things. He brings hope to all things. Our story shouldn't be, oh, it's so hard. Bad things just happen. People are mean. This is how it goes. Those relationships, he wants to restore them. He wants to redeem them. The bad things that have happened to you, he wants to redeem them in your heart so that your story and your song that you are singing is better than, even, than before those things ever happened because it's not about just putting you back at the place that you were before the devil stole stuff. He wants to bring you up and bring redemption, heaven's transformation. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. And so this is what gets us excited to go like, hey, for the rest of our life, we're never going to be done. That's for sure. There's always more. There's always more healing. There's always more redemption. There's always more good fruit. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, perseverance, self-control. There's humility. There's, there's power. There's all sorts of awesome things that hope. I mean, come on, hope. Here we go. I mean, it's like, have we reached the pinnacle of all of those things? No way! We're supposed to hunger to say more as it is in heaven. Jesus, I want to walk with the joy you had. I want to walk with the power of forgiveness that you had, that you're able to say to people on the cross, the very people killing you, you're so powerful, you're able to say, Father, forgive them. As it was happening, or Jesus was about to die, and he says, my joy I want to give to you so that you may have it to the fullest. So even in the darkest time, the kind of the deepest valley he was about to go through, he had so much joy, he said, I have it to the fullest, and I want you to know that so that you're full of joy. I mean, those are the kind of things that Jesus models himself. He is the gospel. So he models it. And it gets us so excited because it's not this narrow pigeonhole, well, I've got, a, I've got my ticket to heaven when I die. But between now and then, man, it's going to be hell on earth. And there's nothing that's going to, God, I don't even know if he cares. That's just a complete not truth of who Jesus is. It's so much better. It's so full. It's everything. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. All of life transformed with all of the goodness of heaven. I want to give um, one testimony. So I have a good friend uh, from up at Bethel, and she is just such a beautiful soul. And... I remember it being such a shock to me to find out that half of her, more than half of her family was killed in a car crash because she was filled with more hope than I think I've ever seen in anybody. And so I just want to put out there in any way that you don't feel hope, that you feel oppressed, that you feel like the devil stole, and that's, and that's become a story and it's stuck. We serve a God who wants to transform everything with his transforming power. He wants to give beauty for ashes. And where there is mourning, he wants to give a garment of praise. And it's not just pretend praise. It's, you know, we have this, I, with, the, with the women, I was talking about joy. And, we, and there's kind of this idea in the church that um, sometimes the things of God are less than our idea. For example, joy. Joy is all over the scriptures, but, but there's this idea of contained joy in the church of kind of like, oh, it's just like holy and proper. 
oh, that is like, that's junk, right? He, he, what, what was the verse, the um, fullness, the, the fullness of God and the joy? I'm blanking on the exact. No, not that one. When Jesus said, my joy, so that my fullness. Ah, I'm blanking. I had a whole list of verses. Anyways, Psalm 1611, we'll quote that one. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, and then Jesus in the Gospels has a great one that I wanted to bring up, but I'm blanking on the actual digits. Is it 15? Um, but the point is, he is a God of joy. He is the God of joy, and his joy is exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. So my point is, in every way that we aren't experiencing fullness of joy, fullness of love, fullness of redemption, fullness of power, that part of our life is under the influence of a lie. And he wants us to repent, to change our minds, to believe and say, God, you know what? This isn't your best for me. This isn't heaven for me. This isn't what, this isn't as it is in heaven, so also on earth. So it doesn't matter what we've been through, how hard the day is. He wants to bring complete living breathing, fullness of joy, life, power, and transformation so that we respond to the world out of a heart that is powerful and redeemed. And I want to give one quick example, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King could have had a story to tell that he was undervalued, treated terribly because he was. He was not honored. And every, every person of color was not honored or loved or respected in the way that they should have been. But what did he do? Did he come wounded and broken and afflicted and say, you did this to me? Mm-mm. Did he say, you undervalued me? You didn't, you, you, um, you didn't give me what you owe me? Well, yes, he did in a gentle way, but, but what I love is he, he didn't respond. His response was one that was transformed by God so that his deepest insides were filled with healthy identity. He didn't come saying, you owe me. I'm so wounded and hurt by you. He came with love and he came with power. And he set a boundary and he brought the kingdom of God. Because in any way that the divine rights that God has bestowed on humans have been taken, that is a divine mission from God to restore those rights, to restore the divinely ordained rights. But he is so, he is such a powerful, he is such a powerful example of that because we have the opportunity to respond daily to people but we can respond with a redeemed and powerful heart. And where we are not loved and where we are not given what we feel we deserve, we don't have to come saying, you owe me. We can come saying, my father gave that to me already. I am complete and I am whole and I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna love you and no, you can't treat me that way. But you know what? 
I'm releasing your debt to me, which is what forgiveness is. It's, it's releasing the right to revenge. And really when we come saying, oh, the world owes me, I'm broken and I'm hurting, it, it's, we need to release that and turn to God and say, you know what, God? You transform me from the inside. You give me my identity from the inside. And the way that this person hasn't treated me the way that they should, I'm going to set a boundary, but my insides are going to be full of resurrection life, the power of God, the love of Jesus. I'm not going to come at you with, you owe me, and life is so bad. I'm going to come rolling with the kingdom and the power of God to transform, right? Martin Luther King is one of my favorites. He is so amazing. You got it from me. There is so much in the gospel, so much potential. That's what we'll, we'll close this part. That when we haven't experienced what we see in the Bible described... We don't settle into a status quo that says, oh, that must be God's will. When it's clearly revealed in the Bible and the life of Jesus that it's not. What it means is you just haven't experienced that yet in its fullness. So keep following him. That's the discipleship journey. Disciple means learner, follower. It means our journey of learning and growth is never done. So we don't look at life and say, well, it's not lining up with the Bible, therefore God just doesn't want it for me. No, you put it in the realm of its gospel potential. It's what I'm going to experience next, or it's what I haven't experienced yet, but God wants it for me. So I'm going to keep pursuing him and following him and seeking him so that I can encounter him more. It's like the idea is like there's so much more of God, so much more of as it is in heaven, to encounter on earth to transform my life. That that's kind of the well that never runs dry. And what that is meant to do is put hope in your sails for every single day of life. You wake up believing the gospel, and therefore there's a pep in your step, wind in your sails, because it, it says there's more today. And that at-hand picture, that's the last phrase here in the gospel, Kingdom of God is, or time has come, time is fulfilled, kingdom of God is at hand. It's a very simple term, but it's got so much power in it. It simply means within reach. Within reach. It's right here at hand. So you can reach out and grab it. That's kind of the implied thing. You know, if like I had a $100 bill, which I don't, so don't get excited, but I was like, hey, a $100 bill is at hand. I'm feeling really generous today. The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm like, you know, flicking it out there. What is going on? It's the implication that I have a gift for you. Grab it. So, you know, I'm gonna, I'll do that later with tri-tip, all right? So <laughs> at that time, it'll be real. You know, it's like, hey, the tri-tip is at hand. I'm not saying that to be like, ah, sucker, it's for me. Like, that's not who God is. He's trying to say, hey, I'm not going to force it on you, but look what I did. I'm going through heaven, pass through heaven, through hell for you. Here it is at hand. Grab it. And it's like there's always more. So that at hand, it just, it's a little phrase, but it adds to this sense of, of potential, of possibility. The time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. You see what Jesus is doing? The time is right now. The kingdom of God is right here. What is he doing? He's given an altar call. So grab it. 
That's the implication. Do you feel it? So let's get to that, essentially, response, the altar call. It says, time is fulfilled. Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So repent and believe in the gospel. That's the response. What's the gospel? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So our response in the relationship is repent and believe. So very quickly, and we're going to dig into this deeper next week. And in the next couple weeks in life groups, we'll be flushing this out. Your life group leaders are trained, and they've been living this for a while to talk through what does this look like in life. But repent. Whoops. Threw away my, my free download. Where'd that go? Here we go. When Jesus calls us to respond, repent and believe. Those are big words. They can be scary. Let's, let's cleanse our minds right now. Repent is not the little the, the crazy guy on the corner with fire flames drawn by his, you know, grandson, you know, of, of, of you in hell. You know, like, repent! Like, that's, that's at least in my mind growing up, is like, that's the only connotation I have. Like, hell is real. That, that's, that's clear. The Bible says hell is real. And, and it is an absolutely hellish thought to be shut out from the presence of God, which First Thessalonians describes hell as being shut out from the presence of God. That sounds utterly, terrifyingly awful. And it's real. But the word repent simply means to change your mind. So, change your mind about what? As it already is in heaven, so also on earth. Renew our minds. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says that following Jesus is a process of repentance. It's a process of having our minds renewed so that we change our thinking. In other words, it's, it's simply like following Jesus is a journey of renewing our mind, repentance, over and over and over. Repentance is not a one-time thing. Romans 12, 1 to 2 describes that process of renewing our mind with the whole truth of God, learning God's will, learning God's ways, God's good news, God's truth, and life becomes a journey of changing our mind, replacing our old ways of thinking with God's ways of heavenly thinking. That's a lifelong process. You with me? Does that make sense? Repentance is a lifelong process because it just means changing your mind, changing your thinking, and it's changing and replacing old ways of thinking with God's ways of heavenly thinking. So, for example, Peter, when he, he told Jesus, oh, you don't need to die. And Jesus said, I love you so much. Get behind me, Satan. You're not, you don't have the thoughts of God. You have the thoughts of man right now. That, a repentance need to take place. Peter was thinking old, broken, fallen, just human ways of thinking. He needs to have God's way of thinking, God's way of looking at things, God's perspective, God's truth, God's promises. And so it's, there's no shame in this. He died for this so that we can embrace this. We could be forgiven for all our imperfections. And now we get to walk through life with this excitement of, God, I want my mind renewed. I want my mind transformed. I want to get rid of my stinking thinking and think like heaven. I want any lies that are in there about you or myself to be broken. Any whispers of the enemy. I don't want to entertain those anymore. The promises of God, all of them, I want them on my mind. Not, not the lies of the enemy in the world. So life is about having the, the renewed mind. 
after who God is in the 100% truth of it. And so really we learned to, as disciples, walk through life asking a question. God, what are you saying to me? That should be one of the number one questions you ever ask. What are you saying to me, God? What are you wanting to teach me? Through your word, through community, through these situations, of course, all directed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not trying to just come up with the good ideas on our own, but the sense of God, God, what are, you, what are you teaching me? What are you saying? What's your truth? What's your promise? That is like the question for followers of Jesus. So that we can repent. We can have our minds changed. And then the last piece is believe, and then I know you will share too. Uh, the second half of that goes right with it, though. Believe, repent, and believe. So as God transforms our mind to line up our thoughts with his, and we're going to go into greater detail next week, uh, examples of what that looks like, because we're running short on time, but that's part of life groups. We're going to be putting it into practice, so don't feel like you got to have it down perfect this week. You don't. Nobody does. <laughs> but the believe aspect is that it's like right there with it. Believe, in the Greek, pistuo, it, there's a sense of action. So hold on to that, th- or grab onto that thought. In our world, belief isn't necessarily action-oriented. You can believe in something as like a mental assent, an idea that you kind of like. Do you believe in prayer? Well, yeah, I, be- I believe in prayer. Tell me how often you pray. You know, it's that, it's that idea. It's like, I believe in, it, it's, a, it's a good idea. Like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. We, sh- we, should, be, we should be doing that. It, it makes sense. It's, it's a nice idea. I believe in that. But if you believe in prayer, you are going to go on a journey of learning how to live into the reality of God's word saying, pray all the time. It's a way of life. You never stop praying. You never cease praying. Praying is life. If you believe that, then you're going to be living it. Does that make sense? That's true belief in, in, in the Greek here and in the you know, Judeo-Christian worldview of, of the Bible. It's you trust something so much you're acting upon it. So it's, it's not like, a, oh, I really like that message I heard Sunday morning. By Tuesday. <laughs> so what are you doing with it? Oh, what was that message about? You know, it's like, no. First of all, there's the repentance. If there's healthy repentance, if you're listening to God, it's God, what are you saying? How are you transforming my mind? And it's, what am I doing with it? If I actually believe this, I will be putting something into action. I will be responding to you, God. Not to me. It's not about me. It's about you and God. And you'll be responding to God with some type of action. You're putting into practice your new way of thinking. And so, for example, what if it's just the truth and a lot of people need to understand that repentance isn't just because you've done all this bad. Many people believe the lie that you have to earn God's love. That's a lie from the devil. Now, it makes sense that a lot of us feel that because it's the way most human love works, unfortunately. We get the message pretty clearly that if I don't perform good enough, I'm not going to be feeling the love. That is not how the agape grace-filled love of God works. He is a fountain that overflows with love from eternity past for you before you did anything, good or bad. It's just a fountain that overflows, and, it's, and he's fixed on you, and, and you can't stop it. <laughs> it's coming at you. You can receive it. 
and, and, and so that's a, a repentance that I feel like all of us need to regularly go through is to check ourselves. Oh, wait a second. Am I doing this right now to in some way kind of earn God's love? Because that's that I need to, first of all, my mind needs to be renewed, repented with the truth that God's love cannot be earned. It's an agape, unearned, grace-filled. The fountain is flowing from eternity past towards you, and your job is to simply receive it, believe it. So receive that truth. That's a repentance. But then to believe it and put it in action, you might, the action plan might be every time I this week have a negative thought where I feel like I'm not good enough because I didn't perform well enough and therefore God probably doesn't love me, my action plan is I'm going to cut that off. I'm going to say no to that. And I'm just going to remember and bask in grace is free. That's one example of how you take a transformed mind and then you got to put it into action though. You got to practice it for it to become a full transformation of your character. So what are you saying to me, God? What can I do about it? That's life under the gospel. We're going to close right now flying through this little shape. Just a few minutes and we'll be done. I'm going to give credit to one of our mentors, Mike Breen, who came up with this called the Learning Circle. And it's simply a visual tool to help us remember key points of the Bible. He has dyslexia, so words are difficult. (laughs) So if anyone's like, oh my gosh, it's a shape, what is this, the occult? It's like, fine, if you don't like the shape, everything I've said today is just Bible. If you're a visual learner, take a look at this. It's helpful. It's just got Mark 1, 14, and 15 in a picture if it helps you remember it. It's one of our tools, our foundational tools that we teach to our leaders, and we want to become permeated in our our church culture as part of discipling culture. It's the gospel in a picture. It's the lifelong journey of following Jesus with the good news right at the top that the kingdom of God is at hand. So if you're looking at the shape there from left to right, that arrow represents like the chronology of time. Life, time passes, right? And that kairos right in the middle there, that's the idea that each and every day you wake up, really each and every moment, we're living in what Jesus says is a big, fat, grace-filled era of kairos. Every single moment of every day is filled with God's divine potential for more of heaven to transform your life. And so that's represented in the kairos. And then the idea is, as a learner, it's the learning circle. We have our radar on and we're walking through life wanting to ask God, what are you saying to me? That's repentance. That's the heart that says, Lord, I want to learn today. I want to see where you're at work and how you're wanting to renew my mind with the truth of heaven. And so you walk through life and you maybe, the idea is that you kind of enter the learning circle. You sense a Kairos moment. God's doing something and you're, you're, you're having this Holy Spirit-led conversation with God. That's repentance. You can do it by reading your Bible in the morning and saying, God, what's your good news for me? That's repentance. You're saying, I want to I line up my thoughts today with your thoughts, God. That's repentance. You can get it through praying with a brother or sister and getting encouraged. That's a heart that says repentance. It's saying, what are you wanting to say to me, God? And, and, and really, it becomes a lifestyle. And then as, as God speaks, as we learn to hear his voice, and we're going to go deep into that next Sunday, specifics of it, then it's, 
okay, God, how can I be obedient? How can I say yes to you? How can I act upon this? And that's that belief. So what am I going to do about it? And when we live that out, then we come up. And the only thing I don't like about the shape is when you come out of the circle, you should come up on a little bit of a higher plane, if you will. It's kind of the spiral of circles upwards, as 2 Corinthians 3, 16 18 says, as we behold him, we encounter him, which is this process of encountering him through those kairos moments and the learner's disciple's heart. What are you saying? How can I respond to you? Empowered by the Spirit. What happens? We are transformed from one degree of glory to another to be more like Jesus. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. having such a hard time concentrating right now. <laughs> I think that the beautiful the beautiful thing here is that every moment is pregnant with the opportunity to encounter God and experience his kingdom breaking through on earth. I, I love this. You know, that this we've put this into this has become churchy language. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's so, but it's so simple. It's the time is now. The time is now. The time is each and every day. The time is every moment and every moment. The presence of God in you is moving. And if you reach out and grab it because he's available. The kingdom of God is within hand's reach. If you reach out and grab him and talk to him, confide in him, hold him, reach to him, get in his word, he will transform and bring his kingdom actively and powerfully. And I want all of us as a church family to be passionate about leaving no stone unturned in our lives where we're not making any agreements that oh well that's just hard and that's how it's going to stay it doesn't matter what kind of atrocity happened he is the redeemer he is the redeemer and he wants to lift us up on a mountain and a mountain top and give us a song to sing a song of redemption, not, you hear these things in church, oh, well, it's just hard, you know, like, you know, they're suffering for the gospel, and a lot of the stuff they pull, they pull out is saying suffering for the gospel is bodily aches and pains, which was never what Paul was talking about when he was talking about the messenger of Satan. It was clearly the Jews. Anyways, I'm going on a tangent. My point is, he's real. He's present, he's alive, and he wants us to encounter him in a real way every moment. Yeah, we're going to pray on that. Nope, in prayer. An action.
action plan moving from here. I'll, I'll give it to you. To kind of repent and believe. So what's our action plan? It's in your lift notes. You're going to be, we'll be doing it in the life groups as well. But I, we did this this week. And part of what you hear is language that's just incredibly personal. That as we spent time pondering and meditating on God's word, in communication with him, it's, there's, there's a power in thinking through these things. So the, the, the assignment, the question is, in your own words, write a summary of the gospel. That's an action plan. It's in your lift notes. How would you describe the gospel in your own words that's meaningful to you in a way that like doesn't divert from the truth of the Bible, but, but gets a fire in your belly? Like you, you heard our meditations and reflections. Like to me, like this idea that now is an opportunity to encounter this reality. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. That's my gospel that I wake up with in the morning. Or this moment is full of potential to be touched and transformed by heaven. That's my gospel from his word. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like you you meditate through these truths and it's like, there's, there's, there's power in that, in making it real. So let's pray along those lines and encourage you to, to work with that this week.